I have a secret. You want to know what it is? You promise not to tell anybody? I have a secret. <clears throat> I'm going to attempt to hyphenate two passages of Scripture this morning that typically are not used in the same message. <clears throat> it is a, an unusual approach that the Lord dropped in my heart this week. Um, it will be challenging to deliver, so pray that the Lord helps me today, please. Hopefully, I will make the theme clear as we go along and make it easy for you to grasp the idea. But before I go there, uh, this is not a three-point structured sermon. It's, it's a completely different idea. Before I go there, I need you to understand there is a sub-theme that creates a, uh, a bed, if you will, on which what I, the message I want to give you lies. I'm endeavoring, what I'm endeavoring to share with you in the message this morning will only make sense as you view it through the lens of the sub-theme, which I'm gonna give you in just a second. I, it's important to me that you understand the sub-theme. In fact, this is gonna be kind of my signal to remind you to everything that we're talking about, view it through the lens of the sub-theme. Pastor Des taught us so many things over the last 40 years. So much has been written on the walls of my own heart as is true for those of you who were here under his leadership. The principle that he taught us so profoundly, which stands out to me today and serves as the, base, the basis for my sub-theme this morning, is the fact that the laws of the kingdom of God are in direct opposition to the natural law of man. We heard that over and over. In fact, the laws of God's kingdom appear to be either backwards or upside down or maybe even downright crazy from that which seems natural to man. Let me give you some examples. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The way down is the way up, and the way up is the way down. Take the low place on the high road. To become great in God's kingdom, you must be the, I can't hear you, servant of all. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And if you served on staff here under the leadership of Pastor Dez, you weren't here very long until you were, it was explained to you about the inverted pyramid. Um, and that is this, at least when it comes to service and work and leadership in the church of the Lord Jesus, this is a not, not a matter of climbing to the top and serving from the top. A pyramid would look like this. Des was very quick to explain to any of us who served on staff with him that in the kingdom of God, in leadership in the church, it is an inverted pyramid, and we serve from the bottom. And there was no finer example of that than Pastor Des Evans, serving from the bottom. Now, I watched many pastors over the years argue with Des about that. It was off the radar, I'm sure, to you, but for several years in a row, usually in November, he would host a small group of pastors that wanted to come in and frankly just learn from him, uh, guys that were younger than he was. And, uh, but these were movers and shakers and pastors of very large, uh, upwardly mobile churches. And so very clearly, their, their paradigm for pastoral leadership looked like this. 
And Des would present his idea of the inverted pyramid, and it never went over very well. And uh, I saw personally many times pastors pull him aside and argue that principle with him to which every time he would always politely respond, you have every right to be wrong, my brother. <laughs> Sound familiar, Marty? <laughs> I loved hearing him say that to some of these. So with the principle... Aren't you glad I caught myself? So with this principle of God's kingdom established, I'm going to introduce the first of my two well-known but highly unlikely to be ever paired together passages. Here's the first one. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the what? Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That means deliverance from every trap which might be laid for your feet. Surely, say that word, surely. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and then from the perilous pestilence. That means everything that comes your way to tell you that it's going to bring you into a trap. Verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. In other words, the truth of God lodged in the heart and mind of those who know God will be all that you need to get through the days that lie ahead. Somebody ought to say hallelujah for that. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. And that when you examine what that means, basically any report that comes your way, that arrow that comes flying by, you don't have to fear that. Nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lies waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Somebody say, bless the Lord. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. In other words, because you have chosen to live where God is, the psalmist says, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. We can say amen right now and dismiss, and we've been blessed by the word of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? May God add his blessing and favor to the reading of his most holy and infallible word. Now, the other passage, which will seem extremely uh, like an unlikely mate, is Luke chapter 2, which of course is the Christmas story. Before I actually read it, let me tell you, I, I need you to catch some of the background. There was a fierce debate going on in Luke, the book of Luke. Uh, about a, a fierce debate among the people about taxation. Not all that different than we hear today in the United States. Caesar Augustus got the brilliant idea that the whole world needed to be taxed. And everyone had to go back to their hometown to be registered. They were not allowed to do it online. 
Balcony, are you awake this morning? Wave at me, Balcony. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Need to hear from you today. Now, the people were powerless to do anything about this taxation issue, but that didn't seem to stop their discussion. So people were being displaced from their homes and jobs, irrespective of the season they were in. There appeared, to be, uh, there appeared to be circumstances outside their control, and it must have seemed to many that they had lost complete control over their future. And I happen to know that there are people here today who feel exactly that same way. You've had expectations, but those expectations seem to be fading very rapidly for one reason or, or another. What you at once thought was secure is no longer secure. And the people in the book of Luke were at the whim of an occupying power, which must have made everyone's hope for the future a fading reality. The Roman Empire, as we know, had conquered the Holy Land. The people of God were not in control of their own destiny. They were not in control of their own government, nor in control of their own future. That's the atmosphere that we had going on. People felt like hope for their future and the future of their children was literally sliding through their fingers. That's what permeated the whole place. We can only imagine here this morning in 2019 the religious, social, and political posturing that seemed to be taking place as every man was plotting for his own place of of influence, climbing, 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 and looking for his own place of security and comfort. While so much jockeying was going on behind the scenes with people having to relocate, in the midst of all of this, the secret of God was about to be revealed. But who would have known it then? And who would know it now? You see, the secret of God has never changed. It is only a secret because in our natural way of thinking, we would never think of looking to the place where the strength of God actually is. Some of you today have come into this house looking for strength, but you already came with a preconceived idea in your mind of where that strength is or where you're going to find that strength, looking in all kinds of places. But, listen to me, Bethesda, please. What if God, in his mercy, is about to speak something to you this morning about a place of strength and promise that you have never once considered before? Isaiah said it this way. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In other words, Isaiah was saying, God, I see what you're going to do, and I see how you're going to do it. I see it as with the strength of your arm, because that's where power is found. It's where we find stability. It's where we are given promises and the ability to win our battles and to get to the finish line with our hands raised, thanking God for a life of faithfulness and provision. To whom? is the arm of the Lord revealed. Verse 2 of Isaiah 53, Isaiah says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should even desire. Isaiah saw the Christ as a prophet. He saw the power of God coming into the world, and he said, who is going to believe this? 
He started off by saying, who has believed our report? God, who is going to believe this? You're going to come into the world so secretively, so stealthily, that to the natural mind, there would be no obvious advantage to even being associated with you. Why would anybody want to be associated with you? At least by the way you're choosing to come into the world. To whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? The answer is simple. You find it in our second passage. The unlikely pairing of these passages. It's the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 8. And here is the answer. God in his sovereignty would speak to an ordinary, honest, down-to-earth, rough-and-tumble people who were simply open to what he had to say to them. Bethesda, hear me today. That is all God requires of us. Are you open to hear what the Lord is saying to you? And if I'm honest and open, he can speak to me. And if I'm willing to allow my value system to be challenged, hello, or the way my eyes are looking for security, if I'm willing to hear something that I, I might not have considered before, then God says that he will reveal the strength of Christ to me. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. My Canadian and British friends pronounce that shone. Glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men this was a preposterous idea to the natural mind totally preposterous idea Think about it. God's plan, his provision, his protection, his purpose for us would be found in a place where most people would least expect it to be found, in a place of poverty. The strength of God, the angel says, has come into the world. The strength of God that brings you peace. The strength of God that gives you a sound mind. The strength of God which creates a benevolence in your heart toward other people is found in poverty. It is so foreign to the natural mind. It is an absolutely preposterous idea. I just wonder how many people before the shepherds did God try to awaken to this great and secret place. I don't know that they were number one on the list. Scripture doesn't tell us. They could have been number four, five, six, whatever. There could have been others that God tried to reveal it to, but they just pushed it away as a random thought that was not worth even exploring. 
I wonder how many people sitting at the inn of Bethlehem had the pang of conscience as they sat at the table fellowshipping, feasting, and reading Holy Scripture and talking among themselves and plotting their strategies to escape taxation or to get out from under the the, the hand of what they felt was oppression from Rome or devising their plan to better their lives or secure their future when suddenly, I just wonder if this might have happened, a thought comes into their mind, hey, You know that couple that came in the other night and the hotel was full, we got all the rooms, and we sent them to the the barn to have a baby? I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how many people felt that they had the thought but felt it wasn't worth exploring. So they just sat around the lobby of the inn, reading their scriptures, having their political discussions, eating their meals, and they completely lived outside of the strength of God. And I believe they couldn't hear God because they had a view, a preconceived idea of where success and security lies. And all the while, it was just outside the door and a few steps down. I have to wonder if I had been sitting at the table at the inn, if God had moved on my heart if I would have even thought about getting up and going to the stable. Think what it would have been like hearing the ordinary shepherds come trampling in, rough guys who were rather outside the whole sphere of influence of that day, hearing them come in, having having received this incredible revelation that we just read that God had given them of strength and provision and protection. David the psalmist said it this way, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude. For he shall stand at the right hand of the the poor to save him from those who condemn him. I believe the psalmist David had received this revelation from God. He was saying, I know where God is. He stands at the right hand of the fatherless and the poor and those who have no helper and the despairing and the addicted and the lonely and those who association with brings no natural advantage that we can see. I don't see how associating with them is going to bring any advantage to me whatsoever. Should not be associating with the movers and shakers and the ones further up the ladder. And we have our clear definition of what the up and up is, but ironically, the kingdom of God, the up and up is the down and down. Everything in the kingdom of God is inverted. Strength and success is not you and me jockeying for some new piece of the pie that's going to keep us happy, but it's moving toward those who have no pie. It's sharing with them the little bit that we have with them. I heard something this week. Actually, Shaler heard it and brought it to me. We are a church who is endeavoring to integrate culturally with a vision to believe that God's called us to be multicultural and multigenerational. The path is not always easy, and I know not everyone embraces it easily, but here's the quote that Shader Hurden brought to me. You will not integrate your church until you integrate your life. Because otherwise, those 
with whom you are trying to integrate will become props to you. I heard that. My heart began to beat within me more strongly. And I thought of the 25 families of Bethesda, the English service, this service, who have already begun the path of seeing what they could do to adopt one of our Swahili Congolese families, knowing that that path may not always be easy, but they've met, they've gone through some degree of training and there's more coming and and there's more in that process to happen between now and the end of the year. 25 families that have said, I'm willing, I wanna try to do that, which is great until you understand 41 Congolese families are begging for somebody to adopt them. 41, we don't have all that we need. And the only thing that made these shepherds different than anyone else was their willingness to journey in the direction of that which the messenger had spoken to them. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Let's go. Let's go and see. Let's journey toward the place, this place of poverty, and see if what we've heard is true. The question for you and me today, Bethesda, is this. Where are we going to find strength? Can I just suggest to you what God's Word has always told us? Those of you who are astute students of the Word, you know I'm speaking the truth. Here's what God's Word has always said. If you want to find the strength of God, if you want to know the secret, move toward the poor. Go to the lowest places. Walk among those who do not have a helper. Go to the orphan and the widow. Have a heart of compassion. Am I preaching the truth to you today? In verse 13 and 14 of Luke 2, we read that this journey began under an open heaven. We've already read it. And they experienced a song, a song. Those shepherds experienced a song that cannot be heard unless God reveals it. It's a song which brings peace to our hearts. It's a song that moves us toward sharing the kindness of God with all people, especially the poor. And suddenly, there was with the angel. A multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Suddenly, get this, suddenly, as they began to move to this place of no obvious personal advantage for them, believing that they had been told that this is where the strength and the power and the provision and the pathway of God is found, ordinary, honest, down-to-earth people just like you and me who just simply started to move in that direction, and as they begin to move, a song busts out. Picture it with me, and I'm sure you've seen many pictures. The sky suddenly filled with angels, but it seems as though they were only visible to those who were making the journey. Everyone sitting at the end missed it. Really? A multitude of angels? You missed it? This heavenly choir, this song, this song that you can't hear with a natural ear. I know I'm getting a little spooky for some of you. 
But let me tell you something. The song of the Lord has to be revealed from God himself. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward me. It's the song that bursts into your heart. It's the song of God's kindness. It's a song that starts to move us into a different kind of lifestyle. It's the song with which God begins to lead us and for us to do as he has asked us to do. I have sung and conducted and arranged and orchestrated and produced hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of songs in my years. And I'm probably being conservative. But I stand here before you today to tell you there is nothing like the song that God puts in your heart. I said there is nothing like the song God puts in your heart. The song he has placed within has taken me to roughly, I counted the other day, 44 countries of the world in missions projects. It's the song that led myself and members of our choir into prisons here in Tarrant County in the 90s. One of the most, some of the most glorious services we ever had. The song God placed in our heart took the choir to Europe in the 80s and later to the Holy, Hand, the Holy Land. It's a song of God's glory, a song of his goodwill. It's a song that is not audible to the natural ear. Stay with me. It's a song that he places in your heart and it doesn't matter where you are or what your circumstances are. Am I talking to anybody today? When you have heard the song of the Lord in your heart, nothing, absolutely nothing can compare with it. It was in the early 80s, those of you who were either alive or here with us then, Steve Fry, at that time a young man, pastor's son from San Jose, California, he brought a group of young people from his church and they did a big production, a worship production here on this platform. And, and I will never forget for the first time hearing the audible song, hearing them sing, I hear a sound coming from the mountain. I hear it louder each day. I hear a sound coming from the mountain and it tells me, prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And hearing that song helped me to understand what I had already been hearing in my heart for years since a young lad. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you wish you knew what I was talking about. Some of you think I've totally lost my mind. But I'm going to tell you something. When you hear the song of the Lord within your soul, it's nice and wonderful with this amazing choir and all the talent that's on this platform. When they lead us, it's great. When Brent and Gerard and Javon, who are the best of the best of the best, take us into the heavenlies. But with the greatest love and respect, and they know I love them and I admire their, their uh, ability unbelievably, but the song of the Lord supersedes all of that. And so much so that, hear me, and I'm not sure everybody gets this, if the choir happened to be off, and I mean like, not here, but off. One day, and the service felt somewhat flat to you for whatever reason. I want you to know this, it doesn't matter. Because the song of the Lord is what's resonating in your heart, Bethesda. That's what makes the divine difference. And the world didn't give it to you, and the world cannot take it away from you. Hallelujah. There's within my heart a melody, you old timers. Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not I am with you, peace be still in all of life's ebb and flow. Now let me tell you, if you walk out of here today, as some are doing right now, if you walk out of here today 
or any Sunday saying, what a waste of time, then I have to say to you that you are relegated to only that which you can hear with your natural ear. But I'm telling you, Bethesda, there is another song, and it has nothing to do. There's another song that takes place in this room every week, and it has nothing to do with what's on this platform, what's happening on this platform. It's the song that causes you inwardly, from within, to lift your voice, to raise your hands, to let your spirit soar, and as you freely give God glory, not only for what he has done, but for who he is. Blessed be his name. It's a song of hope in the midst of a storm. It's a song that enables us to give when everyone else's hearts are hardened. It's a song of direction when everyone else is confused. It's a song of love in the time of hate. Oh my God, we need that in this country. It's a song of unity when the world is divided. It's a song that cannot be heard apart from God. Back to my psalm. He shall cover you with his feathers. And that's exactly what happened to the shepherds. When they heard the message of this compassion of God for all men, his willingness to forgive, his willingness to flow through people and to show his kindness to a fallen world. And when they began to move, say that word move. When they began to move toward where God was speaking, we've already read it, the sky opened. He shall cover thee with his feathers. There's a covering. There's a song that only heaven can reveal. It's a song that only angels know and fully understand, but God, by his mercy, begins to reveal it to our hearts. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. You'll not be afraid when darkness comes. And it seems like evil is lurking everywhere nor for anything that happens in your daytime. You got 24-7 coverage here. For anything that happens in the daytime, it will not take away your confidence. Nor the pestilence, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. What is this? This is Jesus speaking of the last day, saying there's a time coming when men's hearts will fail them with fear. That's the falling. A thousand at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But the man or the woman who is moved toward what God is saying and doing and thinking will stand in confidence and you will not be taken down even by an evil report that comes flying by you. Because you have made the Lord... Who is my refuge? Even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Is there a hallelujah in the room anywhere? I want you to know this. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And I happen to believe that you and I are going out of this generation in the same way the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They were instructed by God to gather in their houses. They were told to eat of the lamb, to partake of the provision of God through his son, Jesus Christ. They were told to eat the bitter with the sweet. 
to partake of that which made them feel good and that which challenged them to the core. This was not to be a selective diet or just looking through the Scriptures only for the wonderful promises that are there, but also there are challenges in the Word and callings that we are not to avoid in the Word of God. You don't get to cherry pick. And they were to bring in their neighbors, the word tells us, whose house might be too small for the celebration of a lamb. There was to be a compassion among them, and they were to get the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of their house and then completely, completely, completely trust God. For the Lord has said, when that angel of death passes over, when I see the blood, that angel of death is not coming anywhere near your house. I'm going to protect your house. And I want you to know something. You and I can stand upon that today. Who wants your house to be protected? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not saying that life is always going to be easy. But I am telling you that everything that is going to destroy this world and destroy those who do not know God is not going to come near your house. That's the secret. There was a secret in the midst of their darkness for the people of God. For there most certainly was darkness as that angel of death passed over that whole nation. And there wasn't a house standing without one dead in it except for the fact that there was another people, bless the name of the Lord, in the midst of it all. For at their table, the candle was lit The shoes were on their feet. Their loins were girded with truth. The lamb provided by God was on their table. Their neighbors were surrounding them. They had a word of hope and encouragement for their children. And while there were screams throughout the nation because of the difficulty that had come, the fathers in these other homes, the homes of the people of God, those fathers were able to say to their children, kids, you have no need to fear. We have a word from God. We have brought our neighbors in. We are sharing what we have. We have the blood of the lamb on our doorposts. And guess what? Tomorrow, we're up and out of here. It will not come nigh your house. The scriptures say, shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. The shepherds saw it, didn't fully understand it, but they saw it and became a reality to them. And they somehow knew in the midst of all that, that the ways of God are not the ways of man. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But they received and accepted it and returned home, just as you and I can return home today, glorifying and praising God for the things that we have heard and seen as was told to us. I want you to know this today. Your job may not be secure, but your future is secure. Your neighborhood may not be secure, but your family is secure in Jesus' name. I have found that the way up is down, and the way down is to go to those who have no helper, to be kind and let the benevolence of God be expressed through my life. God promises this is where our strength will be. Brent, come on. I need to wrap this up. The issue this morning is this. 
Can God speak to you? Can God speak to you? Can he speak to your heart? Can he lead you to where strength is? Then if that's true, we can go home glorifying God at our supper table, at our dinner table, at our restaurant table, our food bank table. And we can give God glory, whether with family, children, or friends, because we have believed what we have heard. We believe God is faithful. So here's what I say to you today, Bethesda. Move toward the poor, because Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. It is the secret of Christmas. Bow your heads with me, please. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word today. I thank you for the encouragement of your word. I pray that someone in this house has been strengthened just by hearing your word today. We want to bless you. We're Say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There are so many. We want to be a people of lifted hands who know what it is to declare the faithfulness, the provision, the strength, and the peace of God in our lives. So, Lord, there's a direction that we've received from your word today, a certain kind of distinctive word. And I can only pray, Holy Spirit, that you have and will continue throughout this day. Do your work with this message. It's not my words saying that makes any difference. It's what you do in the hearts of people. I don't know how they hear, how they hear it, how they process it, but you, Holy Spirit, can do the mighty work. So today we want to give ourselves to you. We want to celebrate this season of Advent, the fact that you're coming with such an incredible, incredible miracle. There are so many facets to your coming. And so we ask, Lord, that your favor and blessing will rest upon us for this season and that we will somehow get a new glimpse of you. In the mighty name of Jesus and the people said,